welcome to the visual component, I guess, because now this is going to go on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Might be dangerous because now people are going to see my ridiculous facial expressions. In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie, and you are listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast powered by Yellow Jacket Media about mixed and multiracial life, our journeys to find our identities, reconnecting with ourselves and the communities we're a part of, all from a Southern girl who's still trying to figure out things for herself. Hi everyone, welcome to the second part of the collaboration with Mixed Present and our favorite Soph. If you hear my cat, she's whining because I'm giving you guys attention instead of her. Poor baby. I just wanted to hop on really quickly because we do have a couple things. First of all, Soph and I, as usual, had an amazing talk and talked for a while. So I'm actually going to be splitting this episode into two parts. And the second part is going to come out on Friday of this week. So you're not having to wait a long time for part two. Just wanted to split it up for you so it's easier. We don't all have time to sit down to a two-hour conversation. I do also want to remind you that we do have a giveaway going on to celebrate both this collaboration that is going to be happening for the entire month of March and also for the YouTube channel that launched. Ignore the aspect ratio portrait setup of the first two videos that will be changing in the next ones. It's a learning process, but we are going to be giving away two prizes or prize packages containing a baby Yoda in a moss bag that I have beaded lovingly and a shirt of your choice from the new merch store on Redbubble. You can check that out in the links in description and also be sure to check the giveaway post on Instagram for more details. It's going to be a really easy giveaway and there aren't many steps but lots of options to get points. The first two things that you have to do are one, follow Mixed Present and Some Kind of Brown on Instagram, and two, comment on the giveaway video on YouTube with your Instagram handle and subscribe. So those are the only two things that you absolutely have to do for this giveaway, two very easy things. And then there are two ways to get bonus points. Current patrons and anyone who joins this month on Patreon gets five plus chances, and you can also get two bonus points for following Soph on Asian Soph and her new page, Mixed Made. Like I said, that's all on the giveaway post on Instagram. The giveaway ends March 31st at midnight Pacific Standard Time, and the winners will be announced on April 1st. So with this point system, I'm just putting it into a spreadsheet. I'm going to randomize it at the end of the giveaway. So check out the post, look at the cute Yodas, and, you know, do those first two steps or maybe more, depending on how you're feeling. For now, let's go to part one. Why are we like this? We are going to be talking about the things you submitted to us that center around kind of the introspective issues, a lot of colorism, we're talking about societal standards and things that affect us mentally that we don't really realize until something comes up or someone draws attention to it. Okay, that's enough for me. Let's get on to the episode. So we just did Y'all Better Stop. Y'all Better Stop. And then, why are we like this? Yeah, why are we like this? (laughs) It's an existential question. 
Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to get to an answer, <laughs> but luckily this isn't solving all of the world's problems in one episode. I mean, to be honest, though, we could probably link a lot of this back to, like, colonization, yeah, white supremacy, just the complete ruining of black and brown and countries. Just We could probably link it all back to that. A little bit. And I think there are some components of most of our cultures that found that bit of colonization and, like, amplified it, especially when it comes to beauty standards and what race you can mix with like nobody wants to mix with black because somehow black is like the worst thing across the board you know what though i feel like yeah there is those like groups of people who don't but then also now i feel like there's almost that fetish of like i want that mixed black kid because you see like all the instagram accounts like people posting their kids and their families and they get popping off of that like it's the fetishizing of that. So I think that there is a component of people, yes, wanting to mix with black. I can see that. And it's one of those areas that's really weird because you would think that there would be oversaturation, but somehow people are willing to follow a bajillion of them. Just the same way, I guess, with podcasts and true crime. <laughs> true crime. <laughs> it's all in the same category. Yeah, but you know what? I think it's because... Again, it's that aspect of like, everyone looks so unique when they're mixed, you know, it's hard to kind of pinpoint what they're going to look like. Yeah, even within my family, I think we've talked about before, we all look very, very different. Yeah, and then I remember we got one of the stories that were submitted was from this girl, we actually did a feature on her during our feature week in Mixed Present, and she said that her family was racist, but they ended up coming to the hospital because when her older sister was being born because they were just interested in what the kid was going to look like. And I was like, ooh. That's the reason they went to the hospital? No. Yeah, like, forget, like, you know, birth and life, but, and, you know, pain and pregnancy and all of that. It's It was like, I want to see what this kid's going to look like. You know what's funny, oh. though? I feel like I've gotten lighter as I've gotten older. I noticed that, too, for me. I did get lighter. And so when I was younger and all my siblings were younger, we had like black hair, black eyes, and we were tan. And then as we got older, we started getting that. We call it Hoppa Brown hair. My eyes are like even, I don't know if you can really see, but they're like a little bit on the lighter brown side now. Yeah. Yeah, like my skin's like definitely, like it's not white white, but it's definitely not super dark, you know? I mean, I'm not white white either. And I used to be pretty tan when I was younger. So I don't know. I mean, this is the first thing we had to talk about because... What a great segue. <laughs> black and Asian families, I know for sure, have this, where it's like sunscreen when you go outside because you don't want to get darker. Oh, Latinos as well, Latinx okay. cultures like this as well, yeah. I just have encountered sure. it that I know of in like mostly Central West and black people. Always have the sunscreen, like- always stressing. Maybe not to stay light, they might not say that, but definitely like you're going out in the sun, you need to put on sunscreen. Yeah, and I'm going to speak on behalf of Asia right now. For East Asians, we don't necessarily have, like, ranging colors in everyday life. You know, people generally tend to stay around the same. Like, you can get some people who are a little bit more olive in complexion, but, like, you don't really get, like, super brown, you know, in East Asia. And I think that has to do with, like, location and all of that and, like, where it sits on the equator. But if you start getting into, like, Cambodia, Vietnam, 
the Philippines, like South, Southern Asia, India, like it's totally different. For sure. Um, yeah, because you can be like lighter. You can also be, you can be, like be totally dark brown, you know? Well, there are some people who consider South Indians, I know for sure, to be African. Yeah, it's that's very weird. strange. That's a rumor or, I don't know. They call conspiracy. them black Asians. It's not an equating thing. They really consider them black. And I don't really know where they got that from, but it just kind of goes to show how dark you can be in Asia. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I mean, melanin is supposed to protect you from sun exposure. Like at the heart of it, it's just supposed to be protection for sun exposure, which is exactly. the weirdest thing. I think for me at least, I don't like the sun in general, but I really don't like tan lines the way they look. So, Or when you I, have like five different crazy ones and you're like, yes. like what, what? My arms fade into a darker color the further down my arm you get. But always in the back of my head, I have, you're going to age faster. You're going to get more wrinkles. You're going to get sunspots. So I'm like, okay, I'm just out of the sun. But it's also made me very light as an adult. So in my case, I was very different. We played outside. We did not wear sunscreen. Now, oh, I'm, now I'm like a I was little about it. Yeah. When I was little, I was out in the sun all the time. This is just me as an adult being like, sun damage. <laughs> oh, God. Now you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying like when you were younger, but oh, definitely. No. Yeah. And I feel like I was like. I think I've just naturally become lighter for no reason because I played sports, but it was always outside. We'd always have those, again, crazy tan lines. And I would field hockey season, you have to wear these shin guards and you have to pull them. They're not like soccer shin guards, they're like wrapped all the way around your leg. Yeah. So I'd have to wear those. And then I would have a tan line from that, and then from my shorts, and then from my spandex, and then from <laughs> my shirt. Like it was interesting lacrosse same thing you can get a goggle tan from wearing the cage mask oh gosh wild I don't miss that (laughs) I don't think I would miss that either so if we're gonna get into colorism yeah you know the biggest thing that I hear and this is kind of across the board I think it's said differently to Asians and I think it's due to like not having as extensive as a colonization history Mm. yes it's still extensive but in the Latinx community they actually refer to it as ethnic correction or like something along those lines, like color correction. That's why it's so highly sought after to get with somebody who is lighter in the Latin community, who does have lighter eyes. To me, the way I sum it up is the way James Baldwin put it. The closer I can get to white, that's when we'll have equality. And I think that that kind of says something about Asians as well too. And I think that's why so many Asians are now speaking out Um, especially against the model minority myth, because for so long, you know, a lot of us, we were lighter. A lot of us, you know, we thought, let's keep our heads down and work hard. Yeah. And now we're realizing these people are out here just being like, well, if we could just fix the eyes, you know, make them look less ethnic, then maybe, maybe, maybe. But I think we're just realizing that we've ended up in the same place as everybody else. We've just Mm -hmm. took a different path. And it's been to the benefit of our community, but also to the detriment of it because we're not unified with other people of color. There's a lot of people who say Asians are not people of color. And I can tell you now, there's some brown Asians who'll be like, I'm gonna have that ass. Yeah, I have heard that. And I find that just as appalling, I guess, as saying that South Asians are African. Actually, probably more appalling because if you look back, I'm sure there might be some trade things there. Yeah, there probably is like mixing 
yeah. within that, you know, just like the Chinese mixed with Africans as well too. But when people say black Asians, I'm like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that that's, I don't think it's wrong to call people like black Asians or, like or like they're just, no, like they refer to Asians who are, they, they say black and brown Asians. Oh, okay. So like darker. Yeah. Because you can get really dark. Yeah. My biggest thing is like, we think of black as a completely different thing. Like black as a certain group of people who yeah. have it, whose family has experienced a certain litany of xenophobia and hatred and just, you know, there's a lot more attached to that. And I just don't think it's necessarily the same thing because Asians have their own story. And I think sometimes when we say black and brown Asian, we're not respecting the story. I mean, Asia is so massive that they, in a kind of way, colonized each other. At one point, China owned half of the countries. Japan more recently had some countries and... yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I've just been, but then like Hong Kong was with Britain. Yeah, and then Britain also had India. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, there's been a history of it. And then obviously the Westerners came to Japan and forced it open because we were closed off. Just that cultural influence over us. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's done a lot for Asian to be able to hold on to certain aspects of you know their history. I think there's also been certain things that maybe have, have held those countries back. But yeah, I mean, if you block everyone out, you're going to block out the good with the bad. So. Exactly. At the same time, when Japan was forced open, the country modified at a rate faster than, like the yeah. Meiji Restoration was, in comparison to the rest of the world, it was very short. Yeah. Um, but I just mean to say, like, when we say Asia and like the, really talking about the aspects of how broad of a spectrum they can be as far as just looks goes, I think people need to realize how big Asia is. It's the biggest continent in the world. It's yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than it's actually massive. So people may need to change the way yes. they're thinking when they, talk, when they talk about Asians. Because yes, you can say Asians because there is like some common stuff in the culture and some in the languages just the way we have like romance languages but it's just too big it's too big to have this one idea of beauty standards i mean colorism is its skin color its eye color its hair color its hair texture it's a whole bunch of texture for sure yeah and i think the countries where it's so prominent and like the groups of people where it's so prominent a lot of it i call it the colonizer mindset because it's like you know, when you think about history, these people that were so different looking, you know, they came, they basically invaded this country. They, you know, destroyed it of resources and its people yeah. and its culture. If I were experiencing that, I would be like, what is the difference between us as humans? All it is is like phenotype and then like <laughs> maybe weapons. Different phenotype like and that. weapons. <laughs> You know, and, you know, it's kind of like how saying, like, slavery never ended, it just evolved. And with that, like, even after all of those times, after countries finally were relinquished and taken back and different things like that. Recently, some of them. <laughs> Yeah. Even after that, so much of the culture has now become infused almost like religion has almost like you know practicing the religion of the colonizer and different things like that but it's literally keeping so many aspects of that but i can imagine like the mental like unconsciousness that happens where it's like if this is the standard of what's right and what's correct and what's not savage in the world i need to work toward that because maybe i'll be more accepted and i won't be seen as the other really big thing i know in the native community 
it's so crazy thinking and talking about what was lost and what people are trying to reclaim. The Native community has like this whole missing generation where they were going to the Indian schools or the residential schools. They really adopted that colonizer mindset, as you said, of like, this is how I stop getting abused. This is how we can assimilate and they won't literally kill or all the other unspeakable things that they did to Native Americans in this country. It's brainwashing. They should take kids away from their families. When you're a kid, you don't know. So you just accept the things that you're being told if you're young enough. So there's like this whole one or two generations of people who are finding it hard when people in our generation are like reclaiming tattooing traditions or more traditional non-Western things. It's very strange to watch it evolve in history where you lose a lot of the culture and then equally as interesting watching it kind of renew and shape into new traditions now. <laughs> I mean, colorism is, colorism is hard because you can't talk about colorism without colonization and without touching on pain and without touching on the self-hatred that's instilled yes. on you. Yes, colorism is just a direct result of colonization. It's We have just been subjected to Western ideas of yeah. beauty because of it now at this point. And to think about assimilation and belonging and not having to endure the racism and discrimination. I think of Japanese Americans post-World War II who stopped speaking Japanese, who stopped passing culture on, who literally just kept their heads down because of the shame and the humiliation. Yeah. But literally, we were at war with European nations as well, too. No Italians or, or Germans were imprisoned. And it was because you cannot tell them apart from other white people. And white people are not going to do that to themselves, you know? I don't know what to say, honestly, other than like... It's rooted in colonization. Stop. That team light skin, team dark skin. Yeah, or like that thing of like marry someone with good hair that's like in yes. the latin the asian the, that's in every poc community every hair is good hair in the words of amanda seals all hair is good hair there's only bad weaves that is very true <laughs> and bad wigs but i guess that falls in bad wigs yeah <laughs> i think she said that too yeah and bad wigs but at the end of the day i can tell you that there will be people who are envious of your features regardless yeah. But I think the, the main point of this is European standards of beauty have been put on this pedestal and we've all been subjected to that just yeah. based on our histories of colonization, our histories of exploitation, our histories of just Europe ruining the rest of the world for people of color. But at the end of the day, in this era, like now I feel like people are trying to reclaim just reclaim your time, like re reclaim your standards of beauty. Like I'm so envious. Like when I started seeing the natural hair journeys uh, that were being put on YouTube and stuff like that, I was like, yes, like all the fucking snaps. Like this is what we need to be doing, like lifting each other up and yeah. like the way we're supposed to look. Like I'm a big advocate of we were all made a certain way. Look the way you're supposed to look, man. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who will say it's easy for people like you and me because we're mixed. We're both mixed with white. We both look more ethnically ambiguous, and I can tell you the people that tell me I look full Asian, you're lying, you don't hang out with other Asians, because people who are Asian are like, oh, you're one of us. 
yes, like maybe we have a little bit of a skewed perception from that, but there is mixed people who are like Afro-Latino, yeah, you know, a brown Asian and a black person together. Like that's not yeah. making a lighter person. So I think, yes, we're speaking on behalf of those mixed people that do have to feel subjected to that. I know it's heavy, heavy, heavy within the Filipino community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's so interesting because they were colonized by Spain. Yeah. When there's mixing involved and different things like that, you that's when you start getting the different colors and now yeah. you've got a different, a whole palette of what skin color can be. And I think we need to collectively try to work to a place where we don't have colorism or we're not thinking it like that. And again, maybe that is like utopian, but I think the more that we talk about it and the more that we elevate people for their natural hair, for their natural beauty, and we don't do it in a way that fetishizes them, but yeah. we do it in a way that respects them. We speak about it and we educate ourselves on that stuff. I, I would like to think that it will slowly go away. You know, especially women, like from the day, the day we are born, everything around us is like always criticized. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard, especially for black children as well, too. Like they don't even get viewed as children. Like look at how Blue Ivy gets treated. Look at, there was that police officer, I forget his name. He arrested like a six-year-old girl because she wasn't behaving. And like, it's just showing like black children never get to be seen as children. And it's because they also like their skin is like looked at as a weapon. And just, I think the more that we start elevating beauty, not to say that that will handle everything. Let me just nip that in the ass because that will not handle everything. But if we can start like working towards a society where we're not being like, yeah, if only I was a little bit lighter or if only they were a little bit lighter or anything like that, then maybe I would consider being with them or maybe they would be less of a threat to me. Or like, I know there's a lot of mixed or lighter skin black people who are like, who get told like, you're like black, but you're not like black fat. Yeah. That's just like wrong. That's so fucking stupid. I think the more people educate themselves and the more we're like putting certain cultural ethnic traits on display and being like yo that's so fucking pretty the more people are just gonna embrace themselves and not try to be like let me wear blue eye contact yeah colorism i feel like is really a really tough conversation to have and one that we could have for like days and days and days because it just seeps into every area everything it's some of it subliminal where you don't even realize that you are thinking this way I do want to say, though, I do want to say, was getting this guy who was, first I thought he was a troll, but I think he was just passionate about what he was believing in, but like it was coming off like not great. He was like saying, well, mixed people are being used by white supremacists to continue to bring white supremacy into the POC community. Is it like an influencer type thing or like... We were made in a lab and I don't know. I don't, I don't know because I was literally just like, what? Like I was trying to have a discussion, but he was literally just like, you're gaslighting me and stuff. I was like, I'm not like, if you read the conversation, like there's no gaslight. People were even commenting like, bro, what are you even mad about? Like it was just like odd. But I think that there is something to be said about that. And I think that's why people, especially mixed people, should be allying themselves and supporting themselves with people who do have to experience the colorism on such a, on just a more significant scale. Because I think there are people who are like, oh, she's Asian, but she's like mixed. It doesn't look like a full Asian. So it's like less intimidating. So it's more approachable. I know there's definitely people who think like that. 
there's definitely that when you're mixed with black as well. And there's also like you're more attractive because you're mixed with white usually. My youngest sister, she could pass for like Samoan. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. She's gorgeous. When Moana came out, it's not our particular indigenous group, but she was so excited because she was like, that's me. That looks like me. And she was like 19, what, 18 years old. And I know Latina, Latinx <laughs> girls who felt the same way too. Well, I'm glad she's not alone in that. When that came out, she felt seen. Even she had colorism embedded in her. That's just so terrible. I was watching this uh, stand-up. I think Ahmed Rahman is his name. He's a comedian. And he was doing a, a bit. It's on my Instagram. Yeah, it was on reverse racism. And he was just like, there are people who will flat out tell you it doesn't exist. But I'm not one of those people. He was like, all I would need, right, is I would need a time machine. I would get in my time machine. I'd go back to before Europe colonized the world. And I would convince all the black and brown people of Latin America, of Asia, of Africa to colonize Europe. And then <laughs> he's like, and basically he's like, steal all their land, their resources and make sure they just basically have no self-esteem. I shouldn't laugh, but that's just a really thought, funny thought to yeah. me. <laughs> And then he was like, yeah, and then I'll just exploit their land so much that they want to move to the places where black and brown people live. But in that time, I would make sure I set up systems in place to make sure we black and brown people are benefited at every possible point in your life. And then just for kicks, I would subject them to black and brown uh, people's standards of beauty just so that they gradually hate their skin, their hair, their eyes over time. And then if I got on stage tonight after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of this, and I was like, what's the deal with white people then that would be reverse racism i was like spot on that was so good i love it you need to watch it it's so funny i basically just said the whole thing but it was so 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 funny i will have to because that sounds really funny but i I think that this conversation leads into the second part oh we really went on like a lot of tangents this thing but but i I think what are you gonna do with it it. yeah like what how do you even talk about that (laughs) That's a, that's a huge, huge problem. And it leads to, which how is how to, to deal, deal with purists. With ethnic purists. You don't, that's the answer. But <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and kick us off, Nat? Mm, I'll start with this. I watched the first season of Love is Blind. That's what it is. Love is Blind on Netflix. I don't recommend it. Unless you just really like watching trash television. But there was a situation that wouldn't be able to happen if it wasn't on the show. Because they do talk to everyone blind. They're just in these little pods, they call them, which I think is a really weird term. And they just talk through a door. So they fall in love, hypothetically, with a voice or with, like, whatever they no. say. No! No! There are good things, there are bad things. I only liked one couple out of, like, five. But there's one woman who I think had a very interesting experience. So she'd only dated black people and her dad was very pro-black. And I think this is an example of not necessarily colorism. So like these two are like two sides of a coin. Ethnic purists and colorism, I think, go hand in hand. They're not the same, but there may be two extremes that have gone so far that they've come back to the other side of the circle where there's just like only a fine line separating them. And her dad was so adamant that black culture, black, Ness is celebrated and preserved. Was he black? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, he's Uh black. And 
he, he was so adamant about celebrating these things that he wanted all his kids to marry black. And it's just a direct response to trauma. So you see people who are lighter skinned or mixed with white who are being elevated. This is the team dark skin, I guess, response. They see keeping it within their race as preserving culture. I see that within other ethnicities within Asian. Yep. Koreans are not just like, we need to marry another Asian. They're like, you know, you need to marry a Korean. And there are so many groups like that. And I don't know if it's all rooted in trauma necessarily, but it's really hard to argue with people, in which case I will take your position. Don't, don't ever. It's just not something that's going to be beneficial, I think. If you're an ethnic purist, you got there some type of way, some type of mentality that you agreed with. But to me, it just seems like radical protection, but also radical celebration, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the biggest thing is I would probably just be like, you are on one, you know. But for me, I'm thinking about the people who maybe have those kind of people in their families. Mm. Like, how how do you deal with someone like that? And it's like, it's really tough for us because, like, I can't imagine... I can't imagine people being like that, but it's so I mean, hard I've because... Ha- I've had someone tell me to marry within my race, and I looked at him, and I was like, which one? Like, Where? Like, we can't, like... <laughs> it would also be hypocritical, because our parents didn't do that shit. If you're coming across somebody who is like that, if they're being, like, belligerent to you or anything like that, and they are doing it in a way that's, like, hella disrespectful, I mean, I was one even engaged, because that's, yeah. you you can't get through to that kind of person. But... If they're open to discussion and you discuss with them, like, so where did we get here with this? Like, if you feel like it, that's if you feel like it. Again, it's not on mixed people to educate ethnic purists on the do's and the don'ts and why. Again, what you're saying, like, people get there. I don't really know. I think you hit it on the head. Like, it's just a radical response to protecting yourself. Or if you're like, (laughs) remember when they were saying, like, I, I think it came about when, like, Obama was president and stuff like that. White people were like, oh, my God, the people of color are just taking over. Like, it's over yeah. for us. And if you're dealing with those kind of people, and I think one of the arguments for why all of those, it didn't just happen in Alabama, but all of those white Southern politicians yeah. were passing those ridiculous abortion bans, you know, when they were passing all of that legislation, there was this argument about how it was a response to white people protecting their own race because it was a fear of a brown planet, fear of a black planet, you know? And that, I mean, mean, it's not far-fetched in my opinion. Well, isn't there like, I don't know if this comes from white supremacists or if this is an actual projection outside of bias. I mean, nothing is free of bias, but was it like 2050 there were going to be more people of color than white people in the u.s i think there's something like that i read i yeah it was on the cover it was like by 2050 everyone's gonna look like this which Mm. uh, i i don't know i don't think so but the according to the census the two fastest growing populations of birth in this country are multiracial people and asians which i check off both of those boxes i mean i'm pretty sure asians make up most of the global populace anyway yeah, the yeah, <laughs> event it's happening, guys. Fear of the yellow planet. Oh my Anyways. gosh! <laughs> so it's a whole different kind of yellow fever. 
<laughs> yeah, but actually for the first time in history, I believe it was last year, but I could also be wrong. White population is actually in decline. Like it was like, I think pretty stagnant, but now it's actually in decline. Interesting. But that's according to the census. And like, I already know the census isn't accurate in the first yeah. place. So not everyone fills out that stuff, but every ethnic purist I've talked to kind of has two reasonings. And this might just be my experience, but on the one hand, they're like, we have our own culture that we want to preserve, our language, our way of doing things. Like, I've heard parents tell their kids they're concerned that they'll lose their culture or that, like, what culture will your kids learn? Or what will they grow up with? They're not going to have the traditions that you grew up with, which is just not the case. And the other side I've heard, unfortunately, was like, well, my friend who is white married a black guy. Her mom said, look at Natalie. Has her life been easy? No, her life has been hard because she's mixed. Do you really want to put your kids through that? So on the one hand, we're talking about, <laughs> I don't want to lose my culture. On the other yeah. hand, it's look at how we have subjected people of color. Do you want your children to go through that? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, wow. Like, uh, there's, there's some middle ground in there. Uh, lots of things that you've left off. Yeah. I had to go through some self-evaluations and self-identity work, but honestly, who doesn't? If it's not about race, it's going to be about literally anything else. Yep. I feel like everyone searches for their identity. What do I like? What am I good at? Blah, blah, blah. For me, in that little pile of things I had to think about, what do I identify as? That's just a thing that everyone has to go through to me. I don't know. Do you see it differently? Actually, no, I totally agree with you. Either way, we're going to find our identity. But to break it down in I want to hold on to my tradition and my language and all of that, you can still hang on to that. Yeah. Nothing's I, being lost. I, yeah. And, you know, I might – I can speak Japanese just because I'm mixed Japanese. doesn't make me – yeah, maybe it's because other people won't say they don't view me as a Japanese person in Japan. But that's, that's their problem, in yeah. my opinion. My family has worked really hard for us to – be educated on our culture and our tradition. And it's going to happen anyway if you're a kid who's growing up in another country yeah. where that is not the culture or the tradition. So you could talk about this in any sort of way, like exactly what you're talking about. It doesn't just happen from the mixing of the races, you know? Yeah, I, I don't see the problem because people can speak two, three, four, five languages when they're like seven because that happens, not in the U.S. Yeah. as much, but it happens in other countries where the countries are smaller or the fa the parents travel a lot. Neuroplasticity exactly. is a thing. But like And the world yeah. is so much smaller now. Like we yeah. travel so much. Like it's just different now. So for people to say that it just doesn't make any sense to me. me either. I I get it, but also I think that kind of thinking has also come from people not knowing multiracial people and yeah. for us having a lack of proper representation in the media in history books and all of that again like this is all resulted from that because people aren't out here discussing the way we were brought up people aren't out here discussing yeah. like so people make up these stereotypes and these things in their head and these assumptions but they don't know but they're not out here trying to ask people who are different why would they what do you mean I they just, have to do work 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's just like how, what I say about Asian representation, the lack thereof has led there to be this generation of Asians in this country who either only feel comfortable around other Asians or really had to search for, well, what is my identity? Like, who can I be? And yeah. I know a lot of us, like, we get a lot of slack because people are like, well, they just try to be like black people. But it's like, we had to find the next closest representation to us. And for a lot of us, that was black people. Yeah. And in certain so, areas of the country, that's very common. Yeah, exactly. If we're doing the same thing to multiracial mixed people, it's going to be that thing of like assumptions and stereotypes are being made about them. People don't know people like that. People have a lack of pride in that. Like, And all of this is just rooted in a lack of representation yeah. and a lack of including other perspectives in education, in the curriculum at schools and different things like that. Like in if we're media, only like, in the media, yes. If we're practicing colorism and we're basically just trying to whitewash everything, it all feeds into each other. Oh yeah. God. A lot of these concepts are so broad. And I think that coming at ethnic periods from that perspective is an education process like they just need to on their own or through someone who has the patience at the time to help them see from a different perspective i think what is more sinister or can be more sinister is the other kind yes i think at that point if you wanted to really get through to somebody who was doing i just don't know how you would even get through to someone like that like if you can if they're willing to have a discussion then they're willing to have a discussion, but if not, then... I don't know what to say to them, and obviously white people, some people have been like that. There's a white supremacy, but, like, I think it's just as messed up from anyone else. you telling me that, like, being mixed with black, again, that's, to me, it just is all the way around bad. Like, there are too many cultures that consider that a bad thing. If you're a person of color, you start 10 steps behind anyway. If you're a black person, especially someone who has unfortunately had their cultural identity taken from them, you start 20 steps behind. Both kinds of being an ethnic purist are kind of ignorant. Like you don't know that mixed people can do two things at once or like they can be parts of different cultures at once. But I think that this side, the keep it pure because it's better or whatever reason people come up with, I think that is also ignorance, but like one step further down the gross scale. Yeah. I get it if you're afraid to lose culture. That, I think, is kind of valid because some people don't want to continue cultural practices. And you can find that in people who aren't multiracial. Yes. What is it? Second and third second generation people usually speak the language. uh, Third by third, you might lose the language or the culture. Just different things we've seen happen in the U.S. I mean, yeah, your kid might not want to celebrate certain holidays, but like some people value cultural stuff and some people don't. You know, I know we are on this tip about America's this melting pot and we're multicultural and we love it. No, like, no, you're just out here basically telling people of color that you need to assimilate. Yeah. Our entire history is doing just that. So here's my thing. The people who came through Ellis Island were majority what? White. (laughs) Yeah. So... When we're talking about, we yeah, multicultural <laughs> in that sense of like, well, we let Irish people come here and Italians, and then you start letting other people come here. For Asians, it was because we were cheap labor. <laughs> and then there was a Chinese band, so you imported Japanese people here. So yeah. we all came here by different means, boo-boo. And you know what's crazy? Just really quick. I think it's like nuts to me that 
people are so celebratory of like Martin Luther King and like Malcolm X and, you know, like Rosa Parks and all of these people who really like made such a difference. Frederick Douglass and, you know, just and all this, this multitude of black musicians and artists and poets and writers and everything like that. But what I think that we need to understand and how this plays into nowadays is very important. Yeah. Those people were not popular. And also just know like Martin Luther King also, his whole I have a dream speech was basically like a watered down version of a speech he actually wanted to make because he was told the speech he wanted to make. Yeah. He could not get on stage and say. Those people were not popular at the time. So now when we have politicians speaking out about this we're still getting that same reaction Mm -hmm. yeah maybe it's toned down and maybe the kkk is not burning as many churches down and shit like that but at the same time we're still getting that reaction from people so i think people want to be like oh the good old days oh look at this look at that like we don't have this we don't have that it's not enough to be like yeah i have a dream like (laughs) i have dreams all the time educating yourself that's also not being aware that's a very like rose-colored glasses version of looking at this people oftentimes tell me they're like you know a lot of what you say is very like radical and sometimes it's it's just hard to hear and I'm a very you know this is why I kind of idolize Amanda Seals because she is one of the first people I actually saw in the public eye who was like me I think yeah I'm very like you know y'all can see it I'm very aggressive when I speak and like I mean aggressive I don't truth with confidence and you're not afraid if it hurting anyone's feelings because you're saying the truth and if it hurts that's their problem exactly it's so important because you know when we look at politicians nowadays like Ilhan Omar Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez other politicians who happen to be people of color but then also people who support them who happen to be white they get a lot of hate now and it's the same thing as those people so sometimes I literally think do you think history is going to remember Donald Trump well do you think he's really going to be remembered well I do not. I do not. Do you think history is going to be kind to someone like Mike Pence? No. If they like, mention him. <laughs> if they mention him. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and my whole point is just we have to be willing to be open to understanding people, even if they're making us feel uncomfortable. Because trust yeah. me, there was a lot of people who were uncomfortable by Martin Luther King. And, and he was the nice version. Yeah. And so I just think it's important that we have this conversation. I know that was a bit of a tangent, but we should probably try to listen instead of telling people of color that their entire experience is an illusion and we're just holding on to the past. That's not what we're doing. If you listen to stuff like this, Nat's podcast, she has a very soothing voice. It's not like mine with the triggering bass. She has a very (laughs) soothing voice. And I have bass too. If I speak down here. (laughs) I have the bass too. (laughs) You know, there's a multitude of resources available. There's so many books. There's YouTube videos. There's literally so much. And I think that we all collectively, in terms of dealing with colorism, ethnic purists, and it's going to go into our next topic. Yeah, I was going to say. Everything that we've talked about, educate yourself. Like, if you really find yourself being defensive, you don't even have to, like, privately sitting with yourself and being like, why am I defensive about this? Like, what's hurting me around this argument? Did I have any experiences around this? There's a lot that goes into why people have certain feelings. And these first two, they seem like they were going to be really small. But I think... It all kind of bleeds into the rest of what we're going to talk about. I know. And there's just so much to talk about because you get to certain topics and it brings up our pain and our experiences. And we're like, 
that's the nature of talking to people of color, I think. Everything and when people of color discuss with each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, Nat and I are not the same mixes. She's black and white and, and native, uh, <laughs> indigenous. Sorry. She's You're black, fine. white, and indigenous. And I'm, what am I again? White and um, Japanese. <laughs> I'm, white, I'm white and Asian. And basically, like, we were, grew up in different places in this country. We grew up entirely different. Yeah. And we've had different experiences. But I have these similar conversations with people who are black, who are not mixed. I have these kind of conversations with people who are Asian, though it tends to be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. A lot of times I'm doing a lot more educating when it comes to talking to Asians within the community. That is for another day, though. But at the same time, like when people of color get together, we generally have these kind of conversations with each other. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Some Kind of Brown, and I would love to interact with you over, especially on Instagram. You can also join us on Patreon for ad-free episodes, after-interview debriefs before the episode comes out, stickers, t-shirts, and more. Another great way to support the podcast is to subscribe wherever you're listening and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Podchaser to help our Brownish family grow. You can find the links to everything and more in the show notes through the link tree on my social media bios. All of your support is what keeps this podcast going. Thank you to purpleplanet.com for the use of their song Love Life, and I'll see you later with some more Shades of Brown.